This is a Federal News Network podcast. The next administration, whomever wins the election in November, will need to invest more heavily in the federal workforce and in digital transformation. That's according to the advocacy group American Council for Technology, Industry Advisory Counselor, ACT-IAC. It published a set of recommendations this week. Joining me with highlights, the Vice President for Strategic Engagement and Partnerships at the MITRE Corporation, Jim Cook. Jim, good to have you on. Good morning. Thanks for having me this morning, Tom. Tell us how this whole effort came together. This was an ACT-IAC initiative to have this kind of look-ahead or set of recommendations for the incoming team, even if it's a new Trump administration. How did you put this all together? Right. Thanks. Um, well, as you know, ACT-IAC is a nonprofit educational organization with both uh, government components, the American Council for Technology, and an industry component, the Industry Advisory Council. This is the fourth presidential election cycle in which we've pulled together insights and ideas to uh, inform uh, and generate discussion with the, uh, the, the, both the career leaders in government and the incoming administration, again, whether it's a second term or a new administration. Uh, one of my roles in ACT-IAC is I chair the Institute for Innovation. The Institute for Innovation took on the charge to lead this effort for all of ACT-IAC, and we convened a group of experts. Um, we called them the steering committee, but many names that you and your audience would be familiar with, people who have served in the last four presidential administrations. So it was a very bipartisan group. Um, as you know, ACT-IAC is a nonpartisan organization, and we decided to take a slightly different approach this time. We really tried to converge a, uh, a lot of ideas around a big-picture vision for government uh, and with a, with a clear set of recommendations and areas for potential in additional investment by government leaders and policymakers. That's known as the capstone paper. That's the paper that, is being, that has been released today that, that, that we're talking about. In, at the same time, there's three other papers that are currently being worked on that are going to take each of the major areas of focus and drill down in a little bit more detail and make some recommendations in those areas. So this is very much a collaborative, nonpartisan effort uh, with a lot of people with a lot of experience in uh, both government and industry and a lot of insight. And getting down to some of the specifics, what are the areas that you recommend investing in in the next administration? Well, the, the major theme of the paper, as you know, is deli delivering outcomes, building trust. Um, and I think uh, it, it's fairly clear how those two things relate to each other. Uh, inability to deliver consistent outcomes is a major factor in deterioration of trust in any organization. So we believe that in order for the government to continue to enhance the ability to deliver outcomes, there's three major areas of focus. Delivering citizen-centric services, transforming the national infrastructure, both physical and virtual, and creating an agile government. And so when we looked at those three major areas of focus, we said there's five investment types of investments that really are kind of common to all three of those these are not anything new i think you you'll see that many of these uh elements are either incorporated in uh the various management agendas for this administration and past administrations or their key strategic areas of focus but we have some thoughts on some additional investments that could be made uh, and additional new ways of looking at that 
looking at these areas. The five areas are data, the federal workforce, cybersecurity, intelligent automation, and partnerships. Five areas where we think additional investment could be made. Partnerships. What do you mean by that and how do you invest in them? Well, so partnerships, um, we believe that there are opportunities and we can leverage some of the experiences that, uh, that, that, that we think have been successful in partnerships between the federal government, private sector, academic, and nonprofit organizations. But we believe that there's new ways of invest in, in investing in relationships where um, uh, we can leverage uh, private sector investments, cost-sharing relationships, shifting the burden of uh, operations and uh, and management, and leveraging new ideas and solutions. So. Uh, you know, there's there, there's a lot of experience with public-private partnerships around data sharing and information sharing in aviation safety and tax administration and financial services. But we believe that there's other opportunities to invest in or establish new partnerships between the federal government and these other sectors for things like managing risk and supply chains, for instance. Um, so the the idea here with this paper is to stimulate conversation about the possibilities um, and, uh, and, 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 and look ahead at what we could be doing and what would need to be changed from a policy standpoint and a legislative standpoint to remove barriers or enable those changes to take place. We're speaking with Jim Cook. He's vice president for strategic engagement and partnerships at the MITRE Corporation and a project leader for the ACT-IAC recommendations for the next administration. And let's get to the recommendations. There are four basic ones that you came up with. Let's review those briefly. So the, there, there are four recommendations, um, and in some cases, these are these reflect priorities that already exist. But we've tried to identify some again some new opportunities or some new ideas that uh, that, that we think merit some discussion and and maybe some testing. Uh, the first recommendation is around building outcome focus into all aspects of management, and, and actually I'd say all aspects or all levels of an organization. Um, doing more to incentivize and have each individual in a government agency understand the role that they play and the contribution they make to the outcomes of the organization versus um, simply identifying the role, the responsibilities, and the activities that they're perform they perform. Management, measuring activities and, and successful performance of activities is important, but outcomes matter. And, uh, and at the end of the day, everybody wants to know how their individual work and their individual role contributes to the larger outcomes of the organization. So we think that embedding those, uh, embedding an outcome focus in all levels of management and all levels of, of performance in an organization through um, um, uh, performance measures and metrics and so forth is an important tool that ought to be looked at. The other thing that we've identified potentially for out, embedding outcome, an outcome focus in these organizations is establishing or defining a role for outcome leaders for each agency and cross-agency commitment and initiative. Outcome leaders, again, is not a new construct in the government. The FAA does this and has been doing this for, for many years. Uh, we've also seen a very recent example in the Veteran Benefits Administration where uh, to get um, to accelerate progress on a particular program, an outcome leader was identified with 
the decision rights and authorities and resources um, and the ability to take on risk for the organization and evaluate risk in order to make progress and deliver outcomes, uh, deliver the outcomes. So this is a, not a new construct, but it's not widely used, and we think there's an opportunity to widely use this. Outcome leaders can be temporary. Um, they can be long-term, depending upon the nature of the initiative uh, that, uh, that, that that's being undertaken. Sounds like a good role for the vice president. A vice president is outcome leader. I was thinking back to Al Gore during the reinvention of government, almost had that job. Mm-hmm. Right, and we believe that it it, it should be a it should be at a senior level role or at least somebody that is accountable to the top of the organization. So outcome leaders would be appointed by the deputy secretaries, for instance, and and accountable to the deputy secretary so that it has very critical top-level support and invested authority. The second recommendation is creating government-wide acceleration and change strategy. This is pattern, uh, take, taking some some cues from some organizations in the private sector to really, again, much like outcomes, embed milestones, measures, and metrics into the responsibilities and roles uh, throughout an organization to incentivize not just the acceptance of change, but incentivize the creation of change and innovation. Um, we believe that a lot can be achieved. A lot of change and, uh, and, 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 and acceleration can occur from the grassroots level if people are empowered and they're incentivized and they're recognized and rewarded for that, and that the barriers for change are, um, are, are, are cleared by top-level leadership. So we believe a strategy for acceleration and change uh, and incentives that are built into roles and responsibilities would be an important uh, would would be an important new idea. And again, this this change strategy, this acceleration strategy, uh, would be part of the president's management council's oversight and management um, uh, responsibility across all federal agencies. So again, it has the top level support. The third recommendation is creating a government-wide enterprise risk officer at OMB. Uh, some agencies do have risk officers within the agency, but this would be a cross-government role and not just focused on government, but a role that is actually looking at and, 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 and focusing on the growing risk to government and the private sector, information operations and intellectual property to develop a whole-of-nation approach or perspective when thinking about risk in, uh, in, in both physical and virtual uh, infrastructures. An enterprise risk officer, for instance, uh, would be very much involved in looking at strategies between the government and the private sector for how to maintain and refresh inventories of things like personal protection equipment and medical devices to maintain its currency and effectiveness and also to make sure that there are contingency plans and a variety of supply chains that are in place and that the government and the, and the nation wasn't just relying on supply, uh, uh, supply chains that were um, sure. mainly overseas. So that would be the role of an enterprise risk officer. And the fourth recommendation, uh, last but uh, probably the most important, is establishing new workforce leadership models for the digital workforce. We We've recommended that government look at uh, creating, as a routine, cross-government rotational opportunities for government leaders and government employees, important part of their growth, but it's also an important part 
of uh, in, in introducing new perspectives into each agency through these rotational assignments. We've also recommended public looking at public-private sector talent exchange opportunities. This goes well beyond the Interagency Personnel Agreement Act, the IPA mechanism that many are familiar with, and would be a regular uh, and routine way for the private sector and the public sector to exchange talent uh, for not just personal growth, but again, organizational growth and new idea, new idea generation. We're speaking with Jim Cook, Vice President for Strategic Engagement and Partnerships at the MITRE Corporation and Project Lead for the ACT-IAC Report to the next administration. Interesting, this idea of the rotational assignment. I mean, as I understand it, the original purpose of the Senior Executive Service was to have people that were not agency or mission specific for their whole careers, but who could move around from place to place, troubleshoot and bring in new perspectives. And so maybe it's a little bit of a back to the future type of idea. Well, and and we've also talked about expanding that beyond just the SES level, um, that there are technical jobs and technical skill areas like cybersecurity, data scientists, um, that uh, that could benefit from rotational assignments, and the agencies could also uh, benefit from injecting some of those new that new talent and the, the, the new perspectives into their organizations. So um, everybody in the federal government needs cyber talent. That is a that is a clearly a short air, shortage area. Um, data sciences is another area of growing interest and growing need. Um, so the ability to move technical talent around where they can get exposed to new leadership, new missions, um, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and new delivery models, um, that benefits the individual. It also benefits their home organization. So that's we, we were thinking about expanding this beyond just the SES level. And we should point out that in an earlier career, you spent quite a bit of time with or working with the IRS. Sometimes IRS gets knocked for its long-term modernization efforts, things that haven't worked out, but a lot did work out if you look at it long-term. So how much of that thinking was in your mind as you worked on this project? Well, I unfortunately never worked as a federal employee, but I worked with the IRS and supported the IRS for over 20 years, so I got to know many of them quite well and know the uh, the organization and the way it operated. And And one of the things that I noted in that experience is that when um, the, the 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 ability to move through, uh, throughout the agency, uh, as you pointed out, up and coming leaders to get new experiences was very powerful. Being able to do that now outside of a federal agency, so that they could learn from their colleagues and peers across the federal government, I think could create even greater uh, gr- greater value. One of the things that I believe that that helps to um, mitigate is any perception or belief that every federal agency is unique and the way they do things is unique and different. In fact, they have very similar needs. They, have, they operate under the same policies. Um, and, uh, and, and there's a lot, that, uh, a lot that you can learn from doing work in multiple agencies um, that can benefit you in your own career as well as uh, benefit your, uh, your home organization. Jim Cook is Vice President for Strategic Engagement and Partnerships at the MITRE Corporation, Team Leader for ACT-IAC. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Tom.
We'll post this interview along with a link to the ACT-IAC report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.